Welcome to Scripture Uncovered, a podcast on the Bible brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Over the next two days, we will be running our Father's Day sale in the Logos online classroom. You can save 50% on all online courses by using the coupon code FATHERSDAY2019 at checkout. Go to LogosBibleStudy.com and click on Online Classroom to view the course catalog. And don't forget to use the coupon code FATHERSDAY2019 at checkout to save 50%. Okay, time for the show. We're catching up with Dr. Creasy again as he travels with his Logos students through the Holy Land. Caesarea Maritima. Nice place. We're sitting in the theater, and it's a, we haven't been a, in a Greco-Roman theater yet, I don't think. And the Greeks and the Romans love theater. There are Greco-Roman theaters all over the Middle East. And this is of not unique, but almost unique. Because when you build a theater, it faces either north, that's north, or south. How come? Because you don't want the actors or the audience looking into the sun, right? So you put it the other way. This one faces west, however. Uh, see the sun right over there? And really a very, very nice theater uh, here in Caesarea Maritima. And a number of things happen here in this city. But first, as Isaac said, Herod the Great built a deep water port here. And Egypt, down in the south, the Nile River is 4,000 miles long, one of the longest rivers in the world, and it flows north. So it empties out into the Mediterranean. And when you have all that water emptying out into the Mediterranean, it creates a longshore current running from south to north, that way in the Mediterranean. Okay. Now, this is an artificial deep water port. It's relatively shallow. And if you dredge it out to make a deep water port, what will happen? Because of the longshore current, it will fill right back in again. So Herod, in, Herod Herod's engineers, invented the method of pouring concrete and having it harden in the water. And he built a breakwater over there. So the longshore current wouldn't push the sand back into the, into the port. Uh, it's a breakwater, it's shaped like an L. And uh, back in the 90s, uh, they did the underwater archeology span of that port. And I wanted to volunteer for that so badly. But you had to spend one month, and it could only be May and June. And the university that was operating it, May and June. But I didn't finish UCLA until mid-June. So I could never volunteer for that, and I really, really wanted to do it. But nowadays, if you're a diver, there's a dive shop here in Caesarea Maritima, a dive shop here that will take you on an underwater tour of the, uh, of the harbor. And I, I've not done that, but I think that would be a cool thing to do. You've done that? All right, very good, very good. And it's not very deep, not very deep at all. The, the archeology span that was going on, it was only like 15 feet underwater, 15, 20 feet. And, uh, but it would have been a lot of fun to be here for a whole month working on the underwater project. Uh, anyhow, longshore current going here. Now, if Herod builds an, a, an artificial deep water port right here, what were the other ports that were being used? Because this is an important location, right? From, from Rome and all the rest of the Roman Empire shipping goods to the east or shipping goods from the east to the west all the way over to, into Mesopotamia and the Via Maris, the main international trade route, right? So it's an important location. And 
what were the deep water ports here before? Joppa, that was an old, old port. And Tyre, Hiram, king of Tyre. Remember, David makes an alliance with Hiram, king of Tyre. Solomon reinforces that alliance. And together, Solomon and Hiram, king of Tyre, controlled the entire distribution system of the ancient world for the economy. Tyre is an important city. And Herod building a port here, he, in effect, put a fence up in front of Tyre. Now the ships were coming into the new port at Caesarea Maritima, and they weren't using the one up in Tyre. So that sets up the story in Acts chapter 10. Acts 10. Now at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So a good portion of the 10th Roman Legion was stationed here in Caesarea Maritima. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now one day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. So it's not like a dream. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. And Cornelius had this vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What, what is it, Lord? And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, down south, about 30 miles that way, one day journey. Send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of the attendants. He told them everything that happened and he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a centurion has charge of 100 men. So he would be like a, a major in the, in the Marine Corps, perhaps. And he has this vision, go get Peter. Peter's staying in Joppa. So Cornelius was a, what do I call him, a God-fearer. He was a Gentile who was drawn to this one God, this God of, of, of Israel. And he donated generously. He was a good man. Sent his men down to Joppa. Meanwhile, down in Joppa, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, so 3 p.m., Cornelius has the vision, the men set out that evening, and around noon they arrive at Joppa, the next day. So about noon the next day, as they were on their journey, Peter went up on the roof to pray, a standard time of prayer, noonday prayer. And uh, many of us have talked about uh, the architecture of houses at the time of Jesus, if you were in class or, or listening online. And the roof, typically they, they're built square with a courtyard in the middle, and the rooftop would be, there'd be steps up to the roof, and that was like the front porch. No, here at, at, at the shore, you could sit up on the porch, feel the breeze come in from the Mediterranean, nice day, like today, nice sunny day, warm day. Well, he went up on the roof to pray, and Mrs. Simon the Tanner was down making lunch. She was baking a meatloaf, I think, and the smell was wafting upward. And Peter became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, my translation reads, he fell into a trance. Well. He was up on the roof, sitting in a pl white plastic lawn chair, praying, the smell of the meatloaf wafting upward, and 
a bright sun shining, nice warm day, you could hear the surf. And you know how your mind kind of drifts when you're at the, at the beach like that? He's kind of drifting off a little bit. And he, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. So all these different animals were in it, clean and unclean. Why, they even had little white cows in it, you know? And a voice said, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter said, no, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. I'm not going to do that. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. So he had all the clean and unclean animals all mixed together. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And Peter went, oh, boy, that was weird. And while he was wondering about this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They knocked. Yo, is Simon Peter here? Well, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are down at the gate. Go downstairs. Don't hesitate to be with them. I've sent them. So he went down the side steps from the roof and he met the men. And Peter went down. He said, I'm the one you're looking for. What do you, what do you want? And the men replied, we've come from Cornelius, the centurion up at Caesarea Maritima. Righteous man and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. An angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house uh, to be his guests. So they come into Simon's house, stay overnight, and the next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So they make the day-long journey up here. And the following day he arrived at Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them because he had sent his men down. He knew how long it took to get there. They would have stayed overnight, come back. He has everybody assembled in the house to meet them. So Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter said, don't do that. Stand up, stand up. Now while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, now you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Jews kept totally separate from Gentiles. Cornelius knew that because he was a God-fearer. He knew the Jews, but nobody would ever come into your house. And Peter said, I've never been inside a Gentile house in my life, and goodness knows, never eaten with one. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, well, three days ago, I was in my house praying, right about this hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer, remembered your gifts to the poor, send to Joppa for Simon. So I did, and here you are. So what do you have to say, Peter? Peter said, well, I'll be darned. And he preached the gospel to Cornelius and his family. And what do you know? The Holy Spirit descended on them. They all became believers. And Peter is dumbfounded. Because until this point, 100% of the church was Jewish. 
Jesus is a Jew, Mary and Joseph were Jews, the apostles were all Jews. This was the Jewish Messiah. What's it have to do with Gentiles? And Peter thought, never imagined. Oh wait, that vision up on the roof, the clean and the unclean animals? He's clean, we're unclean, right? No, Jews are clean. And we don't mix. And Cornelius and his family become the first Gentile believers. And then Peter goes back up to Jerusalem and he tells what happened. And they're horrified in Jerusalem, the other apostles. Gentiles? You, you ate with Gentiles? They, they, they're dumbfounded. But Cornelius and his family here, Caesarea Maritima, the first Gentile Christians, first Gentile Christians right here. Another story happens here over in Acts chapter 12. Now we mentioned that the harbor cut off Tyre. So Herod, this is not Herod the Great, he's dead, this is Herod Antipas. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon up north, and they now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. That is, their economy depended on the port of a tire. And now nobody's coming into their port. So they need to negotiate some kind of agreement here. And they come down to meet with Herod Antipas. On the appointed day, Herod was wearing his royal robes and sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people from this stage in this theater. When we go walk through the archway there and turn left and we go around, we'll see the footprint of Herod's palace, one Herod the Great built, the place where Herod Antipas lived, and later the Apostle Paul in 60 to 62, uh, I'm sorry, 50, Eight to 59, he's arrested in Jerusalem. He's brought down here to Caesarea, not as a prisoner. He was arrested, but when they learned he was a Roman citizen, everything changed. And he became, he was in protective custody because the Jews in Jerusalem were trying to kill him. There was an assassination plot against Paul. So they bring him down here in protective custody, not in prison. He's a guest in the palace a guest, and who has spent two years here at Caesarea Maritima. Great story. But here, Herod walks from the palace through that arch over there onto the stage. He sits on a throne, and it's morning. He was wearing his royal robes. Josephus tells the same story, but in much more detail. Josephus tells us that he walked in wearing robes that were made entirely of woven silver. And when he walked across the stage to the throne, as he walked, the sun was rising behind, right? It faces, the theater faces west. The sun's coming up from behind. He's walking across the theater stage and he's glistening. What an entrance. And the people shouted, he's a god. And immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
that the word of God continues to spread. What happened to Herod Antipas? Josephus has the longer version of the story. But he was on stage, and as he was holding court, he had severe abdominal pains, really bad abdominal pains, and he collapsed on the stage. He was carried back to the palace where he suffered in agony for a few days and then died. Eaten by worms and died. I made a video, I have a series of 30-some video, what I called Bible blasts, on kind of weird things in the Bible. And one of them is called Worms, Worms, Worms. And what happened? Apparently, he had guinea worms. Guinea worms. You, you, you get them from drinking water. and you, They're microscopic, eggs, microscopic. And you drink them, and then the eggs hatch inside of you, and the worms need to get out. So they eat their way out. And they emerge from your abdomen and from other parts of your body because the eggs get picked up by your, by your bloodstream, they come out your foot, they come out of all over. I have pictures in that video. It's, it's a, typically a sub-Sahara uh, problem, but back in Jesus' day, in the climate here and that, those times, it was a fairly common thing. But can you imagine? And they're, lo they're long. In the pictures I have on the video, they're like a foot long coming out of abdomens and the crotch and side and feet and we got oh, the message. You got <laughs> it is the coolest video. <laughs> and, uh, 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 right before lunch. Uh, all those videos in, in the online classroom on my website, the online classroom, uh, it, it's the course called The Bible. And it's just, it's where I taught one year through the whole Bible. And it's attached there. Uh, all those videos are, are, are on that. Worms, worms, worms. Coming out everywhere. <laughs> You've been listening to Scripture Uncovered, brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Visit LogosBibleStudy.com and check out our courses in the online classroom. For Father's Day, save 50% on enrollment by using coupon code FATHERSDAY2019. That's Father's Day 2019 at checkout. Thanks for listening. See you soon.